Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast, supported by Rehoy and Son. Uh, Tony Kerr here with you as ever, and alongside me is Gareth the Prevo. Hi, Tony. And James Faller. Hi, Tony. Uh, great to see you both. Um, coming up, we'll reflect on two points dropped for Guernsey FC, uh, a huge defeat for Alderney in the Prio and where it leaves them. We've also got a full interview with Alex Scott to come. The Guernsey star has been back in the island while the World Cup is on. And speaking of the World Cup, we'll be trying our best to forget all about England's performance on Friday night. Um, Today, a couple of cracking games, though. Uh, I don't know how much you've seen uh, over your shoulder in the newsroom. Um, some cracking goals, including uh, an unbelievable scoop from Bubakar. Uh, I find I'm not seeing uh, hardly any of the goals. <laughs> what, what, what I'm enjoying, though, is, a case, is looking up from my screen and saying, oh, somebody scored. Uh, and that's the kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like a real-time uh, Twitter alert or something. Yeah. But I, I get to see very few of the goals so far. That's as far as you go. Yeah, I'd get neck ache if I was watching our, our <laughs> screen at work because it's right above my head and it's uh, not the best uh, situation for myself, but there we go. Yeah, well, it's been an, uh, an interesting tournament. Maybe less said the better about Wales, Jim. Uh, I, I think it's been a really good tournament, yeah. I mean, Wales, sadly, on um, uh, Friday, when I took a half day off to watch it, was... <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, was a bit of a disappointment uh, to say the least. To be honest, it takes me back to 2016 when Wales are in the Euros, and and honestly, you're thinking, can we just score a goal? <laughs> you know, that was the number one aim. And then you know, could we get a point? And then you know, scored the goal against was it Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, and, and that was the, you know, the and and from then on, just gained that momentum. And this time round, you know, reason well reasonable second or good second half performance to get the point against uh, USA. But yeah, that was pretty uh, dreadful on Friday. Two bad games, really, on Friday from the English and Welsh perspective. Are you going to be uh, glued to your seat tomorrow night, Gareth? I'm trying to find any excuse not to watch it, to be honest, <laughs> as I seem to do with most England internationals. Generally, when it gets to tournament play, I do try and watch a, a bit more. But yeah, uh, Friday night, um, it was for, it was an insomniac dream, that one, wasn't it? It sort of sent you to sleep pretty quickly. I was oh. very fortunate Friday night that uh, I went to cover basketball. As both of you already said, there weren't many people there. There weren't even many players there. But uh, it was a, f- a fantastic game in the basketball leagues. But that's for another podcast. Well, that was where the entertainment <laughs> was, clearly. Um, well, there's been a lot of football, obviously, to consume uh, on TV in the last couple of weeks, but there's been a lot going on here as well. Um, Gareth, we were both down at Footslade on Saturday to see Guernsey FC draw one all with Bedfont Sports in um, what was, a, I suppose, a bit of a six-pointer, still early in the season, mm-hmm. but both sides right down towards the bottom of the Isthmian South Central. It was uh, Danny Hale who popped up with his first goal for the club um, to give Guernsey the lead, but they were pegged back. And um, uh, probably in the end, I, I thought Guernsey um, were the side that looked like going on to win it if either were going to, but there was some... Uh, a couple of hairy moments, including one fantastic effort from Bedfont that was uh, lashed off the bar. Um, what did you make of what we saw? Um, it's sort of getting to that stage now where I'm not quite sure whether I'm thinking GFC are unlucky because I've seen them sort of a couple of times recently where they should have got more and deserved more. Or are they sort of just wasting opportunities now? It's one of those on, on Saturday I came away sort of after when the final whistle blew. It was, it was like a frustration one point wasn't enough from what they did in that game. Who do you blame that on, though? Do you blame it on them? Or what? It's one of those that uh, I felt, in cricketing terms, that was a winning draw. We deserved at least two points out of that game. Um, but you, you're sort of having to settle for this one point sort of every now and then. And we're still waiting for a home win as well, which it is one of those things. But you don't really want to point the finger at any player because they all gave a decent account of themselves on Saturday. And... 
Yeah, like I say, they they were the better side. I felt I didn't think Bedfont, apart from like you mentioned, um, uh, Steve and Gunga, who actually scored their goal, and he was the one who hit the bar. He looked a very uh, exciting and dangerous player, to be honest. Apart from that, they didn't have an awful lot, Bedfont, and you'd you'd really want three points out of that one, especially at home. And so that is why you're sort of left feeling frustrated by it. Well, let's hear what Tony Vance had to say to you at full time. Does that feel like a, a point gained or two lost? Uh, definitely two drops, I think. Um, you know, we started really well and, uh, you know, we, we we broke them down with a great goal. Um, and that was the sort of key to, to sort of the game, really, was to try and keep doing that. Um, the conditions were a little bit difficult, but, you know, I thought we, we played them very well first half. Uh, and then we had a sort of 10, 15 minute spell where we got too excited in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, like suddenly been able to play and, and sort of like the, the shackles were off a little bit and suddenly we went back to sort of our old possession-based game and which we haven't really done for a long, long time. Uh, but what they forgot was the, the risks that that, um, that can, that comes with that. Uh, so it is, a, a you know, when you play that sort of game, it's, it's reward over risk. Um, and we had a 10, 15-minute spell where we didn't secure the ball as we were building through and and uh, that, that can you know that that sort of end up being the goal that we conceded you know Kez maybe should have been foul perhaps was a foul in the middle of the pitch but in saying that you know if you're going to play balls into there you've got to secure it and, and we didn't um, so uh, as I said he felt he was fouled but then then what you've got to do is is re, re, um, recover and react afterwards and we didn't do that and uh, so that was you know the, the both goals were were sort of uh, were, were classic sort of Guernsey FC goals, if you like. One one us carving them open, and the one um, the goal we conceded, we were sort of punished for uh, for being um, a little bit expansive. Yeah, I was going to say at half time, you're probably disappointed then to be one all though, because I mean you had looked the more likely to go in leading. What was the message at half time? Yeah, so it was important, you know, what we had to do was was understand the conditions and, and uh, try and get into areas. So what we didn't want to do is do what they did and sort of play the ball forward and it run out. Um, so we had to sort of still build, but, you know, understand the risks that that, that, that contained. I mean, their, their seven was a was a lively player and, you know, he, he was the one that was going to break us down uh, and cause us problems on particularly on the counter-attack. So, so when you're when you're playing possession-based football, you're always going to be subjective to um, to a counter. And when you've got a player like that, he, he can be dangerous. But I thought second half, um, you know, we huffed and puffed, and, and we sort of say had him on the ropes without that knockout punch. Yeah. And uh, that was the bit that probably was missing. Um, all in all, I think they'll be pleased with the point. Um, and we're disappointed, you know, because I think it's it it gets filed in in the in the bin in terms of or in, in, in the sort of uh, <laughs> the folder of three points we should have had. The loss of Sam Murray, was that big an impact in the end? You sort of cope pretty well, but it, it's obviously difficult to lose sort of like someone who's been in form within the first half hour. Yeah, I, I, I do believe we, you know, we missed his presence for sure because cause what he gives us is an aerial threat. Yeah. Um, and saying that, I thought Keane did well when he was thrown on and uh, it's always difficult, but um, he looked like he, he was going to score. Um, and wanted to score, which is keen all over. Um, you know, by saying this comment, I don't mean in any way that you know we we you know we were sort of detrimental by having keen on over Muzzer. But but what Muzzer gives you is a, is a real aerial threat and um, and a, and a 
you know, physicality. And, uh, you know, when you, when you want to play balls up high, um, him and Danny are a real threat like that. So, so losing him was, 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 was a bit of a changer. But, um, but in saying that, you know, like getting Keane and Brandon on, you know, it was good to see. Uh, as I said, it was it, it, we just didn't have that quality at the right time, and um, you know I think Jacob's frustrated because I think he thought that was that was onside. Um, I thought he might have timed his run, you know, just just right. But I don't know, it was tight. But um, but at the end of the day, uh, as I said, really um, they'll be very happy with the draw, and and, and we're frustrated. And uh, I think. Um, I think that sort of shows that we're, we're, where we're playing and how we're playing um, and sort of the team that we're playing against. Uh, and let's, let's not forget that they beat, they beat um, Walton, you know, and Hersham, who are, who are absolutely flying in midweek. So, uh, again, it just shows how this league is. Yeah. And the one thing you sort of said before the game was you wanted that performance and attitude that you've had for the last few weeks. You seem to keep getting that now. <laughs> Yeah, certainly over the last, anyone that's watched us over the last sort of games and, you know, the away games as well, the, the aggression's been there and the performance has been there. Just just missing the points now. Tony Vance speaking to you there, Gareth. Um, yeah, I, I thought Bedfont were there for the taking a bit. They looked quite ragged early on, um, but was sort of, I don't know, there was a couple of missed chances. And it, there is a caveat of, you know, when you, you look at the attacking talent that, that Guernsey without at the moment, you know, Ross Allen hasn't been around for a few weeks now, although yeah, hopefully we'll be back soon. Wilf Zackley was looking good, then got injured. Sam Murray, I thought, started, or has been looking really good recently, started really well and went off. And, and after he went off, we lost the focal point of the attack. Then. Yeah, you, we certainly did. I mean, I, I thought Keen Domal did did well when he came on but it's, he's a very sort of different style to Sam Murray I, th- I think Sam has really been building with confidence recently you can tell sort of the couple of goals he scored in, in recent weeks have buoyed him and he was putting himself about and he was making a nuisance of himself on Saturday and it was almost the actual incident occurred I didn't really see it because I was still noting down the goal it literally happened straight after the restart he was involved in a challenge and um, yeah, he got a bit of a bang to his knee and he tried to run it off, but it obviously wasn't going to happen. So um, he came off in the sort of like 23rd minute. And funnily enough, it, it was almost um, it was such a big come down because um, Bedfont had just had lost their striker who scored a hat-trick midweek for them. And it, it was sort of like there was a few members of the crowd when that happened. It, you don't wish ill on anybody, but it was, everyone was sort of like... Was that the bloke who scored a hat trick? Oh, this could be our day. You know, this could be our day. We then go and score five minutes later, and you're thinking, well, this could definitely be Guernsey's day. And then poor, poor Sam suffers an injury like that, and after that, nothing really quite went right for us. I mean, we were still the better side, and yet we don't score again. Um, we have a goal ruled out for offside, which I don't know. It's one of those. Having seen the replay over and over again, it's one of those. I'd have loved to have seen a VAR on that one because it looked quite tight. And certainly Jacob Fallows looked in disbelief that the linesman's flag went up. Um, but yeah, it, it was just one of those days which just ends up, you sort of end up driving away thinking it should have been more. As you say, um, no home win yet for, for GFC this season. Um, two draws and five losses. Only one more chance to put that right um, before the new year. They've also only scored nine goals, which is so many fewer than than even any of the sides around them, let alone as you go a bit higher at the table, which is definitely a bit of a concern. Um, that said, Danny Hale got his first goal, as we said. Um, really pleased for him because um, he's been putting a lot of effort and, um, and, and looks the part out there. You know, he's, he's, he's 
kind of growing into himself I think at that level in terms of the sort of get, getting up for the headers um, you know kind of going shoulder to shoulder with defenders and he, he kind of took his goal pretty well in the end that was after missing what was a better <laughs> chance before that um, also want to give a mention to Brandon Wallace who got half an hour on Saturday he came off the bench pretty late didn't he for his home debut um, the week before um, but yeah he looks really uh, really positive gets around the pitch so well not afraid to to get into uh, challenges straight away and uh, yeah, possibly someone who we could see um, being used more and more by Tony as the season goes on. Yeah, you, you'd have thought so. Um, Brandon's one of those players who sort of really stood out at, at Prio level at the start of the season when when North were going uh, well, and um, obviously he stood out as well in the in the under 18s last year. Um, he's, I think he provides something different to that side. He's got, um, like you say, he's got a directness about him, and he he wants to influence games. Um, I thought. Him and well, previously mentioned Keen Damal did well for sort of like they're they're, they're growing in confidence of what they can do at that level. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just finding that finishing product just so we can sort of score enough goals to get the points on the board, which um, which is what's needed now. The, the The attitude is definitely there. You, you can see that the mindset is right, they're, and they're not sort of losing losing any faith in what they're trying to do. Um, they just. I don't know, perhaps it is just a case of they need a bit of luck just to swing things their way and just get a bit of momentum building. Well, as you say, they've got one more chance at Fitz Lane um, in 2022 to get that win. Um, they welcome Hamworth Villa on the 17th of December. Um, three more away games to come before the New Year as well. Um, right, let's leave it there for GFC. Coming next, we'll hear from Alex Scott. Welcome back to the Guns Press Football Podcast. Our thanks once again to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Um, now, what a year it's been for Alex Scott. We've talked about him an awful lot on this pod. Um, so it was great to catch up with him in person last week. The Bristol City star was back in the island for a few days during the World Cup break. Still a couple of weeks before they return to league action against Rotherham. Now, having spoken to him before he left for Bristol a few years ago, um, it's really cool to see how he's developed as a person as well as a player and myself and Harry Jones went up to Blanche Pierre Lane for a chat with him I manned the camera Harry asked the questions cool well, Alex great to see you back in Guernsey um how's it all been going recently yeah very good um obviously it's nice to be back where it all started uh obviously we've had a, a few weeks off due to the World Cup um and yeah I've just come back seeing my family seeing my friends but can't wait to to get back going next week yeah, it's the first time I've really caught up with you since uh, winning the under-19 Euro. So what are your reflections on that tournament? Yeah, just best summer of my life, uh, best experience of my life. Um, met so many good people that year, people I almost looked up to, even though they're the same age as, as me when I was younger, um, not playing in academy football. So to, to share that experience with them, um, obviously it was a tough, tough tournament and a, a long, tough year playing against some top nations. So I think to... To win it at the end, that it just meant so much to all of us, being through through that experience, and it was a long two or three weeks out in Slovakia. So yeah, to finally get that win against Israel in the final was massive. Yeah, the three lines playing at the moment in the World Cup. How much did it motivate you seeing them doing well, and to, for you to want to go and play in a major tournament in the future for England? I know, yeah, it's huge. I think they're an inspiration to to any young lad playing football from England um, and any country around the world. Really, they're players that are all playing in the Premier League, so. That's the league that, that kids growing up want to be playing in. So it's the same for me, even now playing in the championship. You want to go to the to the next step and play in the Premier League and play for your country. So, yeah, they're, a, they're an inspiration to all of us. And someone else you played with growing up, May Letice, obviously made her debut for the Lionesses last week. How was that, seeing her play for the full England women's team? 
just proud of her. Um, I'm sure you're probably the same and, and everyone from Guernsey is the same. Obviously, we, we grew up playing with her and playing against her. So we know the quality she had and we knew from a young age how far she was going to go in the game. Um, and I think to, to make her Lioness debut so young, it's, it's a total credit to her and how she started the season, adapting to, to a new club and a new city. Yeah, it's just a credit to her, really. And obviously for you, it's been a bit of a whirlwind since joining Bristol City and seeing how you've developed. How do you personally think your game has progressed in the last couple of years? Yeah, it definitely progressed a lot. Um, I feel like I've matured a lot, grown up a lot, and that's on the pitch and off the pitch, I'd say. Um, obviously moving away when I was 16 and going into digs, uh, I think a whole, a whole lot of credit's got to go to them as well. They really took me under their wing and treated me like one of their own, and I'm sure my mum and dad are very grateful for that. Um, and obviously on the pitch, I think my game's developed massively. Um, knowing when to, to dribble, when to pass, when to shoot. Uh, obviously there's a lot of things that I, I can still work on, like scoring more goals. That's something that me and the coaches and players at, at Bristol City are working on massively. Um, I know I need to be scoring more goals and getting more assists, but I'm still young and I've got a lot of time and a lot of time to go. So yeah, that's what I'm working on. And uh, you've got Tim Apsey on at Bristol City now too, as well as one of your best friends, Ben Acey. What's it like having them now at the club, sort of following your, following your pathway? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, obviously, Tim suffered a, a bad injury, so whenever I, whenever I see him around the training ground, I always see how he is and ask if he needs anything. Um, when he moved over, I made sure I messaged him and said, if you need anything around Bristol, then you, you know where to come. And obviously, Ben, uh, who, I'm, who I'm very close with, um, I've say I've almost helped him settle in a bit. Um, when he first came over, I was away with England, so I think that could have been tough for him to, to learn a new country um, and a new football club. But... He's been coming round to our house quite a lot. Me, Tommy and AC are, are chilling together quite a bit. And yeah, I think he's really enjoying himself now. It was a tough start for him, um, not getting a lot of game time and, and having a few injuries. But I think now he's really striving and yeah, he's enjoying his football. Uh, you've become a bit of a fan favourite now at Bristol City. What's it like having that level of support over there and the level of support you've got over here as well? Yeah, I think it's, it's really good. Um, obviously here as well, having, having the support from back home, I think that's something that's really good about Guernsey. I think if there's anyone ever doing well in life, I feel like everyone from back home is always supporting them. And yeah, it means means a lot to me. Um, it's the place where I grew up and I know a lot of people here and I know a lot of people support me. So yeah, it's really, really helped me. Um, and yeah, like you said, the Bristol City fans are, are really good. Um, I really like my song as well. So it's nice to hear whenever I go over to take a corner, um, the Section 82, they're, they're brilliant. And, yeah, I can't thank them, thank them enough really for, for all the support they've showed us and the team even when we've not been doing too well and yeah, hopefully we can we can pay them back and start getting better results. And um, you personally, for the rest of the season, what would you say your ambitions are just for the remainder of 22-23? I think just to, to improve, um, of course we, we know we've been playing well at times and we've had not so not so good games but I think getting the results is, is really important so I think we've had yeah tough spells where we know we can do better uh, we've got a lot of quality in our team maybe more quality than some of the teams above us so it's about finding that balance between playing well and, and getting points so that's something we're really working on and, and the manager's huge on so yeah just about getting points really and climbing the climbing the league. Alex Scott speaking to our in Harry Jones there. Uh, yeah, great, great to hear from him. Um, really great as well to see sort of how much he's kind of 
coming on as a, as a person and um, so comfortable talking about what he does now, which is fantastic and uh, doing so well. And uh, yeah, big season ahead for him and in, into potentially an under 20 World Cup um, appearance as well. So uh, we wish him all the best and we wish um, Tim Apshin all the best as well. We were sad to hear about his injury over there. Pretty serious one by the sounds of it. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed uh, he makes a swift and full recovery and uh, can pick up where he left off because uh, by all accounts, he was doing very well out there. Well, let's turn our attention to what's been happening um, closer to home once again then uh, with the FNB Premier League. Uh, three matches this weekend. There was a 3-1 win for Sylvans against Bells. Um, a big win for Saints at Rangers, um, bringing their little mini run back down to earth. 5-1, they were victorious at the KG5. Um, but the biggest scoreline of the weekend, um, Jim, uh, came down at Portswath. Uh, Rovers beating Alderney 9-1. Um, you were down there. Uh, I mean, is the story of the match as simple as that scoreline suggests? Uh, I feel at about uh, tw- at about twenty to two because again kicked off at quarter to two. Uh, I was the only person <laughs> on the um, uh, on the newly um, uh, relayed uh, patio at uh, outside uh, Portsmouth, and just by having seen the warm up, you could kind of sense what was uh, what was going to happen. Um, I mean, Alderney you know, travelled with a uh, half baked side for sure. They only had eleven players. Uh, and you know, uh, first first couple of minutes, Martin Savidon rips past his uh, his opposing fullback, crosses only a wonderful save from Dean Carre kept him out. Uh, two minutes or I think three four minutes later, Rovers were ahead, and then it was one of those games. Occasionally, you go to report a game, and all you do is list the goal scorers, and that was uh, exactly what was go- what was going on in that game. Uh, sadly, you know, it had all the hallmarks of. Uh, a Prio team against a railway team, uh, frankly. And, you know, uh, sadly, you kind of, and I know Alderney was suffering from suspensions, unavailability, etc. But uh, the, the one thing you always, you tended to get with Alderney was, you know, they don't go down without a fight. Uh, and sadly, that just didn't happen on Saturday. Uh, and you kind of worry for them, you know, with no, if, if the backup is so thin, you know, what, what what is their longevity in uh, in Prio football? And I'm sure that that uh, question is kind of reverberating around the around the Prio League at the moment with them struggling a little bit. Yeah, well, they're bottom of the table, ten played, um, just one win to their name, and a goal difference of minus thirty. I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, how big a concern will it be for their sort of short, medium-term future? Obviously, they had the the real kind of gut punch of of missing out on the island games, and where that could have been a massive moment for them. Obviously, a motivator throughout the season, and then an opportunity to use a, a, a sort of cheesy phrase to inspire the next generation to to sort of be part of Alderney football. It's they might end up with exactly the opposite, something that's kind of sucked the life out of their season, and then you know, they miss out on that opportunity to, to kind of sow the seeds for, for, you know, some future players. That's definitely something that, that, that people are talking about uh, in local football now. And, and you see Alderney have, have, uh, have always been, fan, you know, for such a small community, fantastic record of bringing, uh, bringing players through. But when they have to play, you know, more than half of their bench starting, you really see the, the gap, you know, if you've got a good a good spine in your team, then yeah, other players can fit in, do a job for you. But yeah, clearly not on uh, on Saturday. I mean, yeah, they didn't touch the ball in the Rovers half for the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was all about containment, but they weren't containing either, you know, and it was just, uh, you know, yeah, a bit disappointing to see really. And if that pattern continues and, uh, you know, and these games aren't competitive, I mean, what, what do you think the feeling will be around the other clubs? Well, if you go to any uh, annual meeting of the of the uh, Guernsey Football League management, you know, and there's a vote concerning Alderney, there's, there's always a, you know a, a, 
a hint of resentment sometimes from some clubs about their support for, for Alderney because of the you know the cost <clears throat> involved in, in in playing them. Yeah, irrespective of the fact that of course Alderney are, are more than doubling their their costs in comparison with uh, uh, with, with with any other club. Um, but I just if if, if Alderney are competitive, then people will you know will put up with it. If they were to to struggle to to maintain competitiveness in, in that at that level of football. Yeah, I, I really don't know where they would go. Being back down the leagues, I mean, I played against Alderney in uh, Railway and Jackson football uh, back in the day. Is, is that where they want to go? Is, is is that a good idea for them? Would they drop out altogether? Um, I, I just don't uh, don't know. Of course, you know, getting, getting to and from Alderney is never easy nowadays either. So there's a, there's a whole lot against them, you know. And, and you know, I'm a great fan of Alderney. I thought they're uh, you know, um, bid to win the Prio what, four years ago now was absolutely terrific shot in the arm for the game and, and fantastic for them. Uh, and, you know, I, I wish them well. But at the moment, you kind of think, oh, I'm not quite sure where the, you know, where the uh, next bit of hope is coming from. Yeah, how big a blow would it be, do you think, Gareth, to, to Prio football if Alderney were at some point to, to fall away? I think it'd be a great shame to be honest. I think, like Jim said, they, they've added an awful lot since they've been in, sort of like at the top table, so to speak. Um, certainly, I thoroughly enjoyed their attempt to win the league a few years ago when they were in contention deep into sort of March time. I think it was. Um, you would hope that sort of like a lot of the work going on up, up in Alderney in terms of sort of getting juniors involved in, in sport generally, not just football, but in sport, will sort of uh, bear some fruit. Hopefully, pretty quickly, obviously. But you know, the thing is. The other Prio sides can sort of gain players over here. There's, I mean, we lost Manza last year and those players end up going into different, filtering into different clubs. Alderney will never have that sort of chance because they are very much reliant on what they've got on their on their doorstep sort of thing. Um, they've still got some very good players up there. Um, I do think that that Island Games disappointment of just not being able to play in the Guernsey Island Games next year, I think that, that really would have a negative effect on almost any island in in that in that situation when it is literally you know they're planning to come over their fans are planning to come over it's such a big thing to compete in the island games for these um smaller islands so to speak um i, I think like you called it tony it was a gut punch for them and um just hopefully this at the moment proves to be just a little blip in in what has generally been a great addition to the Prio League. Well, we'll watch with interest. Um, they welcome St. Martins up there um, at the weekend, um, a team they've beaten on home soil in the last couple of years. They have. Unfortunately for them, Saints <laughs> seem to have suddenly hit some form again. Um, they've had a very good November. They've won a couple of games, had a good, a big win on Saturday. And um, yeah, they, I imagine that will be quite a tough one as well for Alderney. But hopefully um, on, on home soil, they'll, they'll have a stronger team out. Yeah, it sounds like Saints have sort of recovered from their wobble somewhat, whether they can can kind of match the heights of, uh, of last season as we uh, progress this one uh, we'll wait and see but um, yeah things getting pretty tight at the top obviously that match against Alderney has not done Rovers goal difference any harm uh, they welcome Bells on Saturday um, it's North against Rangers on Friday night and Velrec Sylvans the other game so a chance for Velrec to, to stay in contention at the top of the table um, yeah things shaping up pretty nicely right that's just about it I think from us we'll leave it there uh, thanks very much chaps we'll be back next Monday with another Guernsey Press Football Podcast our thanks to Rehoy and Son for their continuing support of the show um, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time cheers Tony cheers